Ty West made one of the most overrated movies of 2022. Has he now made one of the best? If you don't know me, my name is Jason. I am the host of Binge Movies. I come to you from the last video store in the universe there are no other video stores we're the last one no we don't only deal in vhs this isn't kitsch this isn't nostalgia we got it all baby we got every available format and some you've never even heard of and normally myself and a guest we sit down and we talk about five films give or take and uh we we rank them and then usually uh not usually always my best film of the week goes on to the shortlist the guest's best uh, film of the week goes on to the guest list. And at the end, the five best films, according to me, and the five best films, according to our guest, square off. And in a little thing we call Last Movie Standing, right now, as you're listening to this on the main feed, Last Movie Standing is already out. And it's coming down to D.W. Lundberg, who has a slate of wonderful f- films in the continuation from last season, because this year we're doing a little gauntlet thing. He also has Casablanca in his back pocket. And then we also have the Lady Juan from Screen Run. And she's got a slate of some pretty good movies. My shortlist. And she's got the Shawshank Redemption in her back pocket. What will they choose? Who will win? If you want to know, you got to tune in. Pops. It can only mean one thing. That means you are a patron over at patreon.com slash binge movies. Clerk level and above. And you get these instant reactions early. As early as possible. Literally, I walk out of the theater and uh, I record my thoughts as they come to me. Spoiler-free in the first half, I give you a very clear uh, breaking point. Then I get into spoilers more often than not. Um, if you want them more instantaneously, you got to go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash binge movies. We also have a variety of unique and creative movie content. A bunch of written stuff. Um, horror recommendations. Some revolving series that we do um, that, that are really exciting. Some stuff I'm working on that I'm not at liberty to speak of. And some stuff that I'm, I owe the good listeners and the good patrons of Binge Movies. I, something that has to do with Miami. And I haven't forgotten. It's going to happen sooner than you think. Now, to the film. Um, okay. I, the universe is full of ironies. Okay? It just is. Especially for, for my life. If I could tell you stories, you'd be like, that's a Seinfeld episode. But it's my actual lived experience. This isn't really a funny one, but it's just one of those little comical ones where the universe, God, fate, whatever, is winking at you and going, hey, kid, I see you. I talked about X. Some say I dragged the movie. I don't feel like I did, but I was really, uh, you know, I had some criticism. I had some things I wanted to talk about. And I did that maybe on this feed. I can't quite remember, but I know I did it over on another show. And on that show, on that show, uh, I also talked about uh, wanting to, to cosplay as B. Arthur. And I've always had a fascination with being an older woman. And lo and behold, who is sitting next to me? For Pearl. But three older women, all of which could have been a golden girl. And I was sitting next to the B. Arthur. I shit you not. The B. Arthur, who probably had COVID because she said, I don't even know how to read the test. I don't know what the pink line's supposed to mean, which I think she had a 
COVID positive test. Ironically, again, the universe winking at me. My most recent booster shot, my fourth, fourth shot overall, second booster for these new variants, scheduled for right after the screening of the film. So let's hope that some bitch takes effect real quick. Um, very, they were very chatty women. They talked very loudly all the way through the trailers to the point where I was getting upset, but they were mostly quiet through the film, mostly. And they turned out to be very pleasant. And the, the only downside other than the quote unquote chest cold that the, uh, that B Arthur had, <laughs> this is not a bit either. This is hundred percent true. Is she, if you, you know what a bowling alley smells like? Not a new one, an old one. It's got about 40 to 50 years of tar from cigarettes baked in. They've banned indoor smoking for 25 years, and it still smells like stale cigarettes and cheap beer. That is what this woman smelled like. Menthols, too. And the faded smell of menthol, menthol's not covering anything up, honey. And also, if that chest cold is not COVID, and I'm hoping it's not, it's probably emphysema. So you want to get that checked out, honey. You might have a, you might have just a, 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 just a touch of tuberculosis. You may be on the mesothelioma train. Okay, there are lawyers that can help. Call today. Anyway. Um, they ended up being a laugh riot. I'll get to that <coughs> in the spoiler section. That's psychosomatic. I'm not sick. That's psychosomatic. It wouldn't show up this early. Okay. So I, I, I really didn't care for the movie. I did care for B. Arthur, and I've always wanted to be an older woman because their clothes are just so flowy, and they live in Florida, and it just seems like a delight to be an older woman, uh, at least on television in the 80s. And... I got my own personal Golden Girls next to me. The one lady looked just like Rue McClanahan. She sat at the very end. And they were big X fans. And they'd go to the movies all the time because, remember, they're talking very loudly. And they thought X was just, just so crazy. And they had to go see the next one. And they were even saying, oh, I think there's another one after this. And this is, this is the origin story. And I, it was just, it was a hoot. And in fact, the vast majority, it was, it was a very early screening the weekend after, during a weekday, obviously. Uh, I couldn't get there sooner. And I, it was mostly women. It was mostly women. I think there was maybe a total of three guys. It was probably a ratio of like three to 12 or something like that. Maybe like three to nine. Maybe it was 12 people total. But um, yeah, so it was really interesting. It was an interesting experience. Um, I like this movie so much more than I like X. I think this is a such a better movie and a better story i think with x you had some ideas and you had some it's just like it x came down to for me it was like isn't it gross that old people fuck and it's like well that's it's kind of why it's kind of widely accepted that after a certain point everything everything you just it's not a great look right like to be 90 years old is not flattering to most people except for my great uncle was like still playing tennis into his 80s uh he looked in his 70s when he was in his 90s but for the most part it's not it's not a great look for most people okay it's not a great look 
So that was like, oh, yeah, okay, old people are gross. I get it. Um, I thought the best stuff in that was some of the performances, in particular, the performance of Mia Goth, the dual performance of Mia Goth. Now, this movie is called Pearl. So if you've seen X, and this is a prequel, it's going to be really gosh darn hard for me to spoil this thing. It's not as if the movie's like, well, Pearl had two paths in front of her. She could have been a normal, functional member of society. She could have been a star on in Hollywood. Or she's going to become a raging psychopath. And we're just not quite sure which lane she's going to take. We know what lane she takes. We know she's crazy as fuck. The thrill of Pearl is just how fucking crazy is she? And just how, how fucking crazy was she and when, you know, it's not an origin of a slasher villain. In fact, I would say two thirds of this movie, maybe a little bit less, maybe half, let's say play more, almost like a, a drama D right. Like a, it's like a kind of a dark comedy dramedy where, you know, Mia Goth, her, the young Pearl, she talks like a simpleton. I, I mean, truly imagine like, a very toned down version of Simple Jack. Just talking to the horses and just, I'm going to be a star, right? Like that is, she's just like this yokel, simpleton, empty headed, living in La La Land. And Ty West uh, does something with, with, there's both the overtness of the film, which it is overtly from Pearl's perspective. It's a movie about Pearl starring Pearl. She's the most consistent character in the film. You spend all of your waking moments in the film from that character's perspective. She is the protagonist and antagonist of the film uh, at the same time. And it's the movie almost solely rests on the shoulders of Mia Goth, although all the supporting players are great. The projectionist is fantastic in this film. I forget his name. Again, it's the reaction here. Um, and the, the girl who plays Mitzi, I think is really great. I feel like she's familiar and I've seen her in something else, but could just have one of those faces. Uh, but everybody's good in this. Everybody. Okay. Mia Goth, who was good in X is exponentially better in Pearl. Okay. She is, this is one of the standout performances of the year. She, I, I would never go so far as to say that she's convincingly sympathetic. She's not. She's better than that. And here's what I mean. Goth plays this character, which is at, which is, who is at times like a caricature. It almost, for the way the movie opens up, it doesn't even just feel like we're like in old Hollywood land where we're sort of taking the aesthetics of sort of the old, you know, uh, uh, you know, Vista Vision, you know, the old Cinemascope pictures, right? In dazzling Technicolor. Like, that's, that's there. Um, but I think that that's really in her, in her head. And people who've seen her go, well, that's obvious. That's what I mean by the obviousness of the film. I think it is obvious, but I also think he's doing that at times when it's not obvious. The score of this movie and the way that she, it, it vacillates between a very dreamy, idealistic, early golden era of Hollywood kind of orchestral score. And then into a very kind of over the top, almost universal horror movie score at times. You know, 
But it does that not so much with Pearl at first as much as it does with Pearl's perception of others, in particular, her perception of her mother. Mother being backlit by lightning and universal horror music playing and, and sort of this gloominess to it. And that is this, the whole thing is from her perspective. Not just the overt when we go inside of her mind into her fantasies, but the way that those fantasies or the way that her feelings are, a, are coloring her perception of people and situations throughout the film. Um, so I think he's got a better grasp of what, as a director, what he's doing as both text and subtext and overt and and explicit and implicit, and it all matches up. Goth gives a performance that's very similar where, again, we, she's not playing it for sympathy, really. She's playing it in a way where even when she is behaving in a way where you would traditionally feel sympathetic for a character in that circumstance, you don't because she is playing in this subtlety that's barely noticeable at times that, but it, you feel it that every time this woman speaks the way her, her facial expressions, the subtle twitches in her face that do not feel performative. They feel native that she really, she, she, Mia Goth has such amazing control over her body English and over her facial expressions that yes, she goes big at times again, the overtness, but there's such a subtlety to just little things that she does. that again, doesn't feel like performance. It feels natural. It feels like a real person. And so what the result is you, even in the moments where it's like, modeling sympathetic sort of stuff you don't feel sympathy for her you feel disturbed by her and if you've ever been around someone who uh <laughs> psychopathy is on the table in their dsm diagnosis even when they are behaving normally it's disturbing even when they are have emotional reactions that seem within a normal range it's disturbing their tears are is are disturbing their laughter is disturbing there is something unnerving about these people um and she she that's how she's playing it she's not playing it as i'm a psycho killer oh god like i'm so obviously creepy and disturbing those moments exist, those flashes exist, but she's really playing it as kind of this broken lily modeling child, simpleton. But even that is like, there's something unnerving because here's the other thing. Pearl is not a child. She may be young. I don't know what her age is. I mean, you know, it's 1918 as this film opens up, but she's already, you know, this is a light spoiler, but she's already married. When this film opens. So this is not like her childhood story. Her husband, who we know from X, is off in the First World War. Which I think it was mentioned in that movie. And so she's, you know, again, it's 1918. So maybe she's like 15, 16. But I get the inclination, especially because she, her sister-in-law is uh, Mitzi. And she's probably closer to like 18, 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range. Because uh, there's also this thing. It seems like they were married a little bit. There's a little bit of time in which they were married. And then the war happens and he's taken away. 
So I don't know. There's probably some note out there that says she's like 12 years old. I don't know. But the fact that she, the intensity of her delight in her fantasies is as if not more disturbing than the intensity of her sadism. That's a hell of a thing. And that's hard to pull off. Um, It's very, very hard to pull off. Even when she, even when Pearl is charming, it's a psycho, psycho, psychopathic charm. Uh, the clinical term for it is superficial charm. There is a superficial charm. She is unwell. And she has constructed for herself a fantasy in the hopes that if she believes and achieves the fantasy, it will mean that she's not a psychopath. So then this, the movie really does put you in the position of, now we're going to put you with this crazy person who's on the brink, this very disturbed individual, violent person who's on the brink. And the only thing that's holding them together is a childlike, simpleton fantasy. And then we're going to start chipping away at the fantasy. And that's where the horror and the thriller aspect and the, 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 the uncomfortable, the, the tension, the uneasiness comes from from this film it's not so much if you're in this because you will want blood guts and gore um you're not going to get it for a very very long time and even when you do it's almost in passing um it does get graphic but it's it's that's not what this movie is this movie is not just trying to be a, a, a brutal slasher i would say it's not even as graphic as x is in that regard I think it's just a much more substantial movie. Again, I think Mia Goff gives one of the best performances I've seen this year out of anybody. Um, She has an extended monologue that you just want it to fucking end. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's like, oh my God, this is overwritten. I'm not even sure it was written, to be honest with you. I think it was partially written and partially. She's so in command of that moment and that character and that speech. And what makes her so good in the role of Pearl is that you don't believe it's a character. Even even as over the top as it is, you don't see her as a character. You see her as a really genuinely disturbed person. And it's a a very uncomfortable feeling of what she achieves. I think I got to be careful what I say here, but I also think that Mia Goth is an unusual looking person. The, the, The politically correct term is that she's an unconventionally handsome woman and it really just depends on like with most people how do you dress them how do you do their hair for women or some men how do you do their makeup it's in in hollywood it's all men it's lighting it's all this sort of stuff this movie does an amazing job at times of like you kind of feel an attraction for her and a repulsion and at times you, you there's she leans into the ugly she she allows herself to be ugly on film not just unconventionally attractive she allows herself to look ugly i mean there's no other way to put it like there's there's some very unflattering facial expressions camera angles makeup lighting in the film which is 100 percent on purpose she gets a co-writing credit on this i don't know if a great degree of, of the film is improv because so much of it's on her that that's how she gets the co-writing credit or if they went into this fully knowing the story that they were going to tell. Um, there's not much to spoil here. So I don't think, I guess I'll briefly talk about the plot. It is, it is the, it's not even be the second half, but after the break, 
Um, before I get to that break, I, this movie left me wanting more, right? Like X, I was like, okay, all right. And then they were like, oh, and Pearl, I was like, no, fuck this. I don't want to see it. There is an after credit after the film and it just, and it's already been announced. They're going to do a third film called Maxine with three X's in the middle. And there's an after credit. It's really, really simple. It's less, um, uh, less intricate than even the, 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 the Pearl one was. So if I'm not mistaken, I think Pearl was done or mostly done by the time X came out and they've announced a third one, but it hasn't even started production yet. As far as I know, might be in pre-production, but I don't think they've shot any of it. Um, I just, I, I was like, fuck yeah, like <laughs> let's fucking go. Now here's the thing. It's going to be Mia Goff, but she's playing a completely different character. And so like, now I'm on like team Pearl. I'm not on her team actually, but you, you know what I mean? I really like the character. And so I'd kind of like to see more of Pearl, but again, it's like how certain points, like how many times can you go that well? Um, this movie gave me some laughs and it gave me one of the biggest laughs I've had in theaters in a very long time. Like I was audibly me and the golden girls and the girl two seats away from me, really everybody there. We were laughing our ass off. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it just kept going and going and going. And I was just big old laughs. Um, and there's laughs all throughout the film. Until there aren't. And it gets very fucking bleak. So, uh, uh, instant reactions. I think I've been, we've moved over to the letterbox score on the ranking episodes. We do out of 10 on rank, uh, instant reactions. I do it out of five, uh, four to five, four to five stars for this. I think it's great. Um, does it make my best of for the year? I don't know. Stay tuned. If I'm not doing it here, I'll be doing it somewhere. On the internet, uh, if not on this show, then another show, I'll probably be talking about best ofs. Would it make my best of? Maybe. Mia Goth's performance is a shoe-in. Um, genre pictures, especially extremely low-budget genre pictures, typically do not get nominations. I think she is more than deserving of one. I think there's a, a greater deal of complexity and ability in her performance than the surface would lend itself to, you know, the surface reading of, of it would lend itself to. So um, I'll be back after this break to talk a little bit more in detail about the plot. Well, folks, I don't want to keep you much longer. I'm going to tell you a little something about the plot here. The plot of the movie is um, uh, Pearl. Mia Goth as Pearl is uh, back on her family farm with her German mother and her invalid father. Her invalid father got the Spanish flu, aka the germ, um, in the first round. Um, if you know anything about history, there were several rounds of it, and there was one bad round, and the worst round was yet to come. Uh, sound familiar? And <laughs> and um, they do a lot. Like they there's there's some stuff with like masks that features into this. It's a very obvious kind of connection to uh, our current day. I don't know. It just didn't really that, that I like the idea of showing that because it is actually a real part of history and would have been relevant around the time of 1918. 
But it was just a little, there's a couple of shots. It's a little like, okay, I get it. The movie's like, basically, fucking wear a mask. It's like, okay, I, I, I got it. Um, yeah, so she is, uh, her husband is away at war. Her father has been stricken as an invalid. He's paralyzed, can't even speak. Limited ability, basically swallow. That's basically all he can do. Um, and he's confined to a wheelchair. Her mother is German. And everything that means in a genre movie as far as just being kind of harsh and being domineering and just kind of cold towards her daughter. And you, you, you kind of feel a little bit for her, but the whole time from jump street, she's killing, we see her killing animals and just being crazy. She's not full blown crazy, but she's a psychopath and we are aware of it. Um, and it, the real reason for her mother's coldness is that her mother knows that she doesn't have the word for it, but she knows that there's something wrong with this girl and that the the real reason why she's dissuading her and wanting to prevent her from pursuing her dreams, which mean being a dancer in movies or on stages and going off to Hollywood and becoming a big star where everybody looks at me and I'm the most important person in the room. Um, um, the the mother is not out of a lack of love for her child. It's to protect the world from her child. It's the best way to put it. She's like, you're too sick. There's something wrong with you. But we don't exactly know that immediately. That comes up later. And you know, Pearl has this obsession. She goes into town to get medicine for her father, part of her routine, and she sneaks and sees a movie. And she eventually bumps into the a projectionist who is living a hobo lifestyle. He's a hobosexual. He is a he, you know, bohemian basically. Uh, he's he's uh, um, uh, I was to say a roustabout, but that's not the right term. Um, you know, he's living that van lifestyle in 1918. There are no vans, but that's basically what he's doing. He's going from town to town, picking up odd jobs, and you know, setting 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 up camp. Uh, residency for a while, and then he moves along to the next thing in his life. He's a drifter, basically. And amazing charisma. He looks, behaves, and speaks, and has the presence of a 1920s movie star, which is, of course, uh, no, uh, no coincidence on behalf of the movie. And he does it flawlessly. He's perfect, beautiful. And so he's like more or less really kind of hitting on Pearl and, but also just sort of being kind to her and her husband is away at war and all this sort of stuff. And in the midst of midst of all of this, um, her sister-in-law, uh, her, so her husband's sister or yeah, husband's sister, uh, lets her know that there's going to be like a, a talent scouts, a, a team that are part of this dance troupe. Um, they're putting a t- together a, a national dance troupe to, um, get some girls and basically do like a USO tour with a bunch of all American girls and they're coming to town or nearby and there's going to be auditions and they're looking for people to like dance and, you know, show their talent or whatever. And if you get selected, you become part of the team and you travel around the United States to some bases over here and maybe even get the chance to go to Europe. And so that's like her brush with fame. This is her chance to be a star. So, um, 
things progressively unravel from there. That's all I'll say. Again, if you know uh, how X ends, then you know that things don't end up great for Pearl. And she's a degenerate and she is a psychopath and she's a sexual sadist and she's a rapist and she's crazy and she has dreams of being a star and all that shit more or less is here. There are some clever nods. Ah, clever is too strong of a word. There are nods to this bigger idea of what X is. Um, it's not just that the, they were making a porno movie, right, in the first film, but it's also that there is something. He, they're playing around with the fact that we like porn, but we don't like old people fucking. And we like beautiful people fucking, but we might have problems with this type of fuck. You know, and so we have all these sort of weird t- moral boundaries over stuff and violence and lust and the the craving of stardom and how those things work together and addiction and all this sort of shit. Uh, and uh, who you could become and all this. In the pursuit of those things, in the pursuit of admiration, what can what do you become? In the pursuit of greed and, and lust and it's a morality tale, really. Um, there are some references to kind of pornography. There were stag films at the time. There's, but it's it's less sexual, I would say, than X. Um, it's again less violent. It's less of a slasher than X is. Although a bunch of people get fucking chopped up and fed to the gator uh, at the end of the movie there are murders that take place but most of them are kind of in a row and towards the end and the movie is really all about building up to that point um but she does some sick shit along the way it takes i would say it takes a good 20 minutes or what feels like 20 minutes for the movie to kind of find itself it's just a lot of just walking around with pearl as she does either very childish or very strange things. And if you understand that that is the intention of the movie, that's again, it's less of a slasher film, less of a gore fest and more of like, I just really want you to be uncomfortable in this person's presence for an extended period of time. As long as you can accept that, this is the movie for you. All right. Well, those are my thoughts. Um, I don't want to go too much further into the plot. Again, you can just about imagine what happens. Um, the ending of this movie, both the extraordinarily, it is the, one of the biggest whiplashes, the ending of this movie, from being incredibly disturbing to so disturbing it's kind of funny in a matter of seconds, and then to, to being outright hilarious to then being disturbing and on and on. Like the last, I would say, like three to five minutes of the movie, and, uh, in, at, carrying over into the end credits very fucking disturbing so i'm all for it i'm ready for maxine baby yeah xxx porn 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 (laughs) i don't know why i said that but yeah i'm 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 ready for it i don't think it comes out this year right it's i think it's gonna be three films in a calendar year but if he could somehow cast and direct and write and produce and release this movie before the end of the year who knows anything's possible i guess there's a will, there's a way, but I think it's scheduled for next year and I'm ready for it. I, my gut tells me this is probably going to be the best one of the series. I know you might disagree. So if you've listened this far and you think I'm wrong, that Pearl sucks and X is great or vice versa, let me know in the comments below For no comments below you. Then hit us up on Twitter at binge movies 
If you can't find it there, follow us on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. If you're listening to us on Podbean, uh, you can leave comments. If you're not, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, literally every podcast app imaginable. Some I've never even heard of. We're on there, okay? So search for us, find us. Make sure you subscribe. And if you'd be so kind, would you leave a five-star review? Let the good folks at home know that this is a quality movie podcast. And if it isn't, then keep your opinion to yourself about me. You know, just, you know, I'm in this for my ego. I'm in this to be a star. Till next time, binge on. Binge on.